Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Our guest today is Karen Robertson. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Karen is a retired teacher, real estate agent, life coach, and clown. Her words, not mine. She has performed stand-up comedy, but you're going to find her hilarious even when she's sitting down. She has written 10 books, including how-tos for parents and professionals, novels, memoirs, and a children's book. She's a playwright, a poet, a philanthropist, and she's popular with the Zoomers, leading three weekly online chat groups. Despite rigorous workouts at the gym, she just completed writing her own eulogy. There's nothing like being prepared, she says. Karen, you put the fun in funeral. I'm laughing already, and we're not even through the introduction. You clearly have a gift for creating happiness, even in difficult happenings. You're strong, independent, be a bit of a rule breaker, purposeful, and driven. You don't back down from a challenge, and you're a wonderful encourager and friend. Or at least that's how I see you. How do you see yourself? Well, before I say how I see myself, I have to add something to that that happened most recently. My granddaughter called me a couple of Fridays ago, and she said, Gammy, you've got to go on TikTok. That's the way you're going to sell your books. So, I took my camera and I went to the gym that day and I took my little children's picture book and I took videos of people doing push-ups with one hand, reading my book with the other, going on the uh, bicycle, reading my book. And I have all these fun gym people doing my book and I've been putting, I think I'm putting them on TikTok. I'm really not sure what I'm doing. But I thought this will be, you know, we'll see what happens. We are going to need that. Of course, this podcast is only audio, but our platforms are not. So I'm not on TikTok, but I'll take that video. We'll post that on platforms where our listeners can see that because they are going to find that (laughs) hilarious. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, my gosh. So how do I see myself? I see myself as a goal setter. And I thought if I and and also a kind of a rule breaker but um i thought if i told a little bit about my beginning life it would kind of illustrate what i what i'm saying uh when i was ready to graduate from well i wanted to go to college be a school teacher get married have two kids and teach school the rest of my life that was my goal well the last day of high school the Dean of Women called me in and she said, of course, you know, you can't go to college. What? And I said, why? And she said, well, because you only read 125 words a minute and you have to read 400 words a minute to go to college. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but I had always struggled with reading. So I said, okay, well, I'll take speed reading when I get there. So I did, and I went into the class reading 125 words a minute, and I came out of the class reading 125 words a minute. Not even 126? No. No. 
<laughs> it was such a terrible waste of time. It was just awful. So then um, I wanted to get married. I didn't want to be an old maid. So at 19, as a sophomore in junior college, I got married and we went off to Cal Poly to continue. My mother said, you can't be married and go to college. Well, guess what? We were married and we were going to college. So um, when I got almost to the end of my teacher training, the counselor called me in and he said, you know, you're not going to be able to teach, right? And I said, what do you mean? I mean, I'm getting ready to graduate. And he said, your voice is crackly and you're probably not going to be able to teach because you'll lose your voice. I know, I know. Actually, he was right, but didn't make any difference. The day after I graduated, I had my very first teaching job. Wow. Good so on you. I proved him wrong, but there, I honestly, there were times when I had to use a microphone in class or I had to write all the lessons on the board because I would lose my voice, especially wow. when it was cold and windy and I was also coaching volleyball outside. So then I would lose my voice. So, uh, but I went on in spite of it. And then there was, I had two kids as soon as I graduated and there was a dark time when I took my two kids and left and came down to this little country town that had 500 people. And I taught in a country school that taught kindergarten through the eighth grade and there was just us five teachers. Wow. So that was, that was uh, up until I was about 28 or 29 years old and I met my cowboy husband in the laundromat and uh, I had a washing machine and a dryer at home but I needed somebody to hook them up for me <laughs> so needless to say he invited me to go dancing and we've been dancing for 50 years so that that seemed like I had everything, everything I'd ever dreamed of uh, had been possible. And yet it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. It was, mm -hmm. there was a big hole in my heart and I didn't know what fit in there. But uh, after we were married and had lots of problems, Jesus came into my life mm -hmm. and I called the 700 club to tell them about a friend of mine who had fallen off of a haystack and broke her neck. And the counselor said, you know, would you like to pray and accept Jesus as your savior? And I said, I think that must be exactly why I called. So wow. at 35 years old, our, our whole family accepted Christ and we became Christians. And, you know, I started out my, my life thinking all F words, you know, I want fame, fortune, and fun. And when I found Christ, I found out that there is no greater fame than mm -hmm. having fame written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, that's good. And there is no greater fortune than being joint heirs with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And my cattleman husband who had double vision, he would go out and look at his 50 cows and thought, take his glasses off. <laughs> <of them."> so, <laughs> and I told them, Jesus promised the cattle on a thousand hills. Think mm, of it. Mm. And in place of fun, which is temporary, it comes and goes, there's joy. Yes, amen. 
full joy. So that kind of takes you to the point where my life centered around Christ and and I wanted to be a missionary. You'll like this. My husband said, okay, fine, knock yourself out, Karen. Just don't leave the block. Oh. <laughs> so we lived on a country block, so it was about a mile around it. And I baked these little loaves of bread and I put them in a little basket and I would go to a house. I would knock on the door and say, hi, I'm Karen. I'm a Christian. How can I pray for you? Wow, I brought you so a good. loaf of bread. And it was so wonderful. I didn't know any of these people. And every single one of them invited me into their house and told me their whole life story and what they wanted me to pray for. It wow. was it was awesome. So about 10 years later, I was telling somebody about it. And they said, why don't you write that? Why don't you do an article on that? Because I wrote for magazines. So I wrote the story about that and send it to Billy Graham's magazine oh. decision and it went all around the world so god took my little trip around the block and he took it clear around the world i got emails from kenya and india and across the united states from people asking if they could copy it and give it to their bible study group or wow Whatever. You did so get I, to be a missionary. Yay! I did. I got to do it. I really got to do it. And, uh, and you know, you mentioned that I was a clown for a while. And um, I didn't just clown around. I mean, I went to clown <laughs> college. It's hard to I believe have... there's such a thing, but go ahead. Well, I went to clown college in Hemet, and my grandson's other grandma was going to clown college in San Diego. So he has two grandmas that graduated from two different clown colleges. So how many grandkids can say that? I don't even personally know any clowns well, until now. So I'm impressed. I'm so impressed and a little bit envious or scared. I don't know. It's really fun. It is really fun because you can just be as crazy as you want to. And you don't even have to say anything. You can just sneak up behind somebody and try to walk in their shoes. It's just hilarious to do that. I love it. I think that's I thought, maybe why people are afraid of clowns, Karen. Maybe that's why. <laughs> so what did you do with your clowning? What did you, Where did you practice that then? Oh, you know, there would be community things and they would want a clown to be there. And and so you could just have fun. And I, I never like to do the balloon art because they tell you in clown school, don't give those to little kids because they can actually choke mm -hmm. on them. Yeah. So just, you know, I just like to fool around. <laughs> and you had an excuse to with the red nose and the floppy shoes. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Did you go to hospitals? Did you go to My hospitals and children's wards? You know, I never did. I never did. But I belong to the um, Applied and Therapeutic Humor Association. And they were mostly doctors and nurses and counselors that did that. Um, I, I was working full time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that much time to do it. But one day, one day I got completely dressed up as a clown. I went to a dentist office where 
<laughs> improve your smile and stuck her head in and said hey can you can you improve my smile and oh my gosh this nurse almost fell underneath the desk so then i went uh to several schools unannounced and i went to a couple of meetings and it was toward the afternoon and i thought oh, i hate to go home and wash all this off oh i'll stop by the bank where <gasps> no oh my gosh I started across the parking lot and all of a sudden I thought, oh no, this is a bad idea. And I turned around and ran to the car because, uh, you know, they would have thought I was trying to rob the bank. So. That's right. That Back then people didn't wear masks to banks. Exactly. <laughs> they do now, but yeah. they didn't then. Wow. Well, I asked about if you had been in the hospitals because I know hospitals become an important part of your story, but we'll circle back to that. Um, yeah. Before we get there, tell me, did you know you were funny when you entered into clown school or did you learn to be funny there? Uh, it's it's a different kind of funny. It is different. you're not saying anything. Right. But my kids, oh gosh, when they were teenager, they said no self-respecting mother should leave home without knowing how to juggle. And so they taught me how to juggle. I think I was the only one in the class that knew how to juggle in the beginning. Just, you know, stuff like that, that uh, I thought, well, this is a skill I can use. Sure. And I thought, well, when I retire, maybe I'll just, I'll just want to go and be a clown. And I'll tell you what. You go do one birthday party with a bunch of little five-year-olds, and that will cure you of wanting to be a clown. You know, they're, they're pulling at your costume and wanting to grab your nose, and there's always an 11-year-old kid next to you saying, I know that trick. I can do that trick. You know, oh, no, birthday parties. I quit that in a hurry. <laughs> I wasn't a clown for very long. <laughs> <to say. laughs> well, so. and you had all that experience being around little people at school, so that probably helped you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's just so funny. So, um, but you did discover about yourself that humor is a wonderful way to build bridges um, between people, a wonderful way to communicate and to bring joy to others. And so, was that something that you always knew? Or was that something that you discovered? I, I think our whole family was funny. I mean, we would sit at the dinner table and it was like one-upsman. One person yes. tell a story, then the next person would jump in and tell a story. And it would be get bigger and better and funnier and louder. And yeah, and we, our family reunions, everybody in the family is like that. They're all characters and they... We always have a talent show and we have Olympics and uh, everybody enjoys craziness together. So, I, and you know, I can't imagine a family any other way. I can't imagine what it would be to um, have dark spaces with people that you love. It's just, I don't know, it's just, I guess probably because my family always lived in Missouri and we lived in California, mm -hmm. so we didn't get to see him very often. So it was really, really special. Well, really special. And as you and I were talking before the mics went on, some of our best material comes from our family members. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been some dark places with people you love, and we're going to hear those stories when we come back from our break in just a moment. Our guest today is Karen Robertson. Karen 
and many of our guests have often found themselves in dark places. I hope if you're in one right now, you'll stay tuned to find out Karen's secret for making light of dark things. When you're finished here, visit our archives for a recent episode on moving forward, or find inspiration, hope, and encouragement for your particular need through our episodes on trauma, divorce care, grief share, unexpected pregnancy, as well as recovery, acceptance, healing, and contentment. We're looking for guests who will share their stories, experiences, insights, and advice, and we're looking for listeners who not only connect with our guests, but are willing to reach out to us and connect us with their friends. We appreciate it when you like, subscribe, leave a good rating and review, and comment on our social feeds. You can find us at nis.media or at nowicpod. You know what else you can find on our site? Featured causes like Operation Christmas Child, brought to us by last week's guest, Jennifer Browning. It's not too late to make a difference in a child's life. Check out our Featured Causes tab and the Operation Christmas Child link to find out how. You can also find works from our featured authors, including today's guest, Karen Robertson, when you click on our Authors tab. Karen's latest release, Never Swim Alone, will be a perfect gift for a child on your Christmas list. In fact, there are lots of books by Karen and others, so feel free to browse. I bet I can talk Karen into giving us access to some of her videos about the book so we can share them with you. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get right back to our conversation with Karen Robertson. We are back from our break today with Karen Robertson. So Karen, we were talking about really funny things before our break, but um, some of that best humor comes from dark places and you have one you wanted to share with us. Go ahead. Well, when I retired, um, I had already started a business. I always wanted to try being in business. And whenever I do something, I go back to school, I take all the classes, I buy all the tapes, I read all the books. And so I was a, a personal coach for a while, for about eight years. And I truly enjoyed helping people reach their big, hairy, audacious goals is what I used to always tell them because uh, people enjoy uh, or people have big goals. They just need somebody to help kick their feet one by one and get them going, hold yep. their feet to the fire. Yep. So that was great until uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I thought, why am I working so hard? I was on the phone like 20 hours a week, helping people, uh, coaching people. So I quit and and I had a very um, brief brush with cancer, I'll say. Mm -hmm. I was very, very fortunate. I didn't have to do, um, I didn't have to do chemotherapy or radiation and I just had surgery and everything was a-okay, but I decided for the rest of my life, I was just going to do fun stuff. And uh, there we hired, I hired a comic to come to our church. And afterwards I said to him, uh, yeah, I think I'd like to do what you're, <laughs> what you're doing. Uh, let's see, how do I do that? And he said, well, the Christian Comedy Association is having a conference in Anaheim you should join. So I said, okay, I, I'll join. 
And then in a couple of days, I was reading this article by Gene Parrott, whose name is not familiar to most people, but he wrote comedy for um, Carol Burnett, Bob Hope, um, Phyllis Diller for over 20 years. And he had written this article in Toastmasters magazine about how to put humor in your speech. And he had his email. So I emailed him at midnight on a Saturday night and said, um, hey, I think I'd like to be a comic. <laughs> what are the first 10 things I should do? And he's an Emmy Award winner. Come on. And so I thought, I'll never hear from him. The next morning, Sunday morning, there was my list of 10 things. And the first oh one was to sign up for his classes. And so I did. I started taking classes. But um i just uh i took classes from some of the best comics and a lot of them their names aren't that well known because they're christian comics and they mostly uh and they all do clean comedy so they they uh perform in a different realm mm -hmm. i should say and so uh, one of the classes I took was from a guy named Nazareth, and he is just a wonderful comic. And there were four of us in the class, and he told us it'll be at least two years or maybe even four years before you have five minutes worth of material you can use. So don't get in a rush. Well, as soon as we graduated from that class, the four of us went on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're a rule breaker, it's what you do. So we we start we did all of our churches first, and so the, there were four of us. It was beautiful because we got to start out doing 10, 15 minutes a piece. Perfect. Whereas most comics, they go to open mics. They're lucky if they can even get on stage and have two minutes. So we really had fun, and to audiences of. Christian people who came and look forward to being happy and, and yeah, they uh, wanted to see you succeed. That helps. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. They're not, you know, it, it was just beautiful. But um, one, one of the funny things I was going to tell you, which has nothing to do with being a comic, but it has something to do with me as a kid. I always thought if I can't do this, what's the next thing I can do? Oh, that's what's good. The next thing I can try. That's good. So I saw this, piece on television way back in the 50s called Stranger Than Science, I think it was called. It was like a little five-minute thing, and it was a lady with no arms. And I thought, what would you do if you didn't have any arms? And so we would have to drive for three days to get to Missouri to see our relatives. So I would tell my sister, okay, we're going to get mom's purse. And with our feet and our toes... <gasps> We're going to, you know, open the compact and screw up, <laughs> screw up the lipstick. And, uh, and, and we would go through her purse with our feet just in case we never had any arms, you know. And, <laughs> and I'm always thinking ahead, well, what if something bad happened to me and I was flat on my back? What would I do then? I would probably call people and share Christ with them. Mm -hmm. I, I just mm -hmm. feel like I would. But when I decided I was going to be a comic, I just started doing all kinds of crazy stuff so that I would have something to talk about. Um, I did five 
triathlons. Uh, they're they weren't they're not the Ironman kind. They're more like the uh, tinfoil boy. They're, <laughs> they're, they're very, much easier than those Ironman. You know, they're called reverse sprints. But uh, I did that. I took. Um, I got on a trap shooting team and competed. <laughs> I, I took pole dancing lessons. I only made it through two lessons. I pulled a muscle. Uh, I I signed up. I joined Groupon. That'll get you in trouble. You end up taking all kinds of kayaking and paddleboarding. And I you know I never cared about being the best at anything. I always got more kick out of being able to say I did it. Of course. <laughs> than I did it well. You know, I took surfing lessons when I was about 69 years old. And wow. So now the biggest challenge I have are writing these 50,000 word books in the month of November. And, uh, and you know, just I, since the pandemic, I think I've published five books. Wow. Self-published. Self-published. Wow. Fabulous. But one of my favorite ones is um, about my grandson, Les. Mm. And uh, the name of the book is More for Les. And he is, uh, he had brain cancer when he was four. And so uh, he was uh, a patient at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. So all of the income that I make from speaking or writing books or i also have a historic downtown walking fellowship tour uh and all and i don't charge anything for it but people always tip me generously sweet and all those all those monies go to rady children's hospital so that's that's a has been a cool ministry to be able to know that these little kids they don't have uh, you know women hear about breast cancer and men hear about prostate cancer and they don't want that to happen to them so they'll gladly give money to the research but little children they don't have deep pockets to um, fund the research it would take to uh, hopefully uh, allow more of them to survive and survive mm -hmm. with fewer handicaps my grandson has several handicaps mm -hmm. He's a great kid, and we have a good time. And he's 23 years old, so praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, so Rady Children's Hospital has been, we've been supporting them for almost 20 years now, so that's great. And what a wonderful difference you've made. So you also have written a new book. Tell us about that. Well, my latest book, I never dreamed I would do this, you know, when you become a writer, if you really want to be successful, here's my word of advice. Find a niche, get in it, and stay in it. <laughs> See, mm. I haven't done that. Every book I was going to say, all of yours are so different. Yeah. Yeah. When people say, what do you write? I say, everything. everything. <laughs> I've written for magazines, newspapers. I've written memoirs and nonfiction and four novels now. And this is my first children's picture book. And the the um, illustrator is Mike Collar, C O L L E R. Oh my goodness! And I I should have one right here in my hand. Maybe I showed it to you before. Well, but this is an audio show. You're going to have to send me a picture, which I will post on our platforms for our lookers. There we go. 
I just hold it up in front of people and they just melt. It is the cutest little girl that he created. And uh, yesterday I was in the dentist office and there were three little kids waiting to see the dentist. And I said, I squatted down and I said, hi, kids. I love kids. I know and, you too. Uh, they would not speak to me. And I said, okay, I guess your mommy has told you don't speak to strangers. <laughs> and especially not somebody as strange as me. <laughs> and the mother was watching all this. And so they just, they just clammed up. They wouldn't say a word to me. And I was... I just couldn't get through to him. And I thought, usually I can, I can get something going. You know? So I went out to the car real quick and grabbed one of the children's book. Brilliant. And I ran back in and the three of the kids were standing there and I just held it up and said, how about if I gave you this? <laughs> and they all you know, reached their arms out for it. And I said, okay, I think, I think I won them over. But, uh, I, I, marketing is just the hardest thing for me. And that's why this TikTok thing kind of uh, really got me excited. I thought, well, who knows? You know, maybe one of these days it'll go viral. So tell us the inspiration for your book. Uh, well, I wrote it 20 years ago and it has set in my computer while I've published all these other books. And I wrote it for my grandkids when they were all about two years old. Now they're all in their 20s. <laughs> and I said, I guess I'll bite the bullet because illustrators are very expensive. So I, I just didn't want to. There's just so many things I want to do before my time is up. Well, you've done a lot of them. My goodness, your bucket list should be shrinking pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> I have one more children's book that I want to do about um, my husband as a firefighter. Mm -hmm. uh, they rescued two little kittens out of a traffic signal arm. And... Um, the city had just put that signal up there and evidently there were a bunch of kittens and a cat inside of there, but the mother cat must have run away. So they put the ladder truck up and they took the end off the traffic signal and rescued those two little kittens. Wow. And uh, when they were leaving, well, actually they rescued one. And as they were leaving, there was another one that was, uh, waving to them, I guess, and they went back and got the second one. A week later, there was a third one. Oh my! And, uh, so we had we brought them home. They were stop, go, and caution. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and, and caution lived for twenty and a half years. Wow! So, that, so I wrote a children's story about some firemen getting three children or three children out of a yeah. <laughs> That would be a story. <laughs> out of a traffic signal and um, and put some children in the story. And I think it would be really cute. So as soon as I'm ready to spend that much money again for an illustrator, I will put that one together. I could see this being your niche. Um, you're a great storyteller. You love the littles. Um, you always have. So I can see that being a very, very comfy place for you to be for a while. 
Well, you know, everything, to me, I never leave the house without coming home with a story, without a story <laughs> of some kind, you know, there's always, and I love meeting young people yesterday in the gym. You know, I take my grandson to the gym twice a week and we met this young man. Did you know that you that ATM machines can be privately owned? No. I just no, those were bank owned. Go ahead. But the bank owns the ones that are at the bank or at the big stores and stuff like that. But if you have like a little gas station or a little uh, tiny grocery store, that can be a privately owned ATC or AT, whatever they're called. ATMs. Uh -huh. ATM. And they can set their own price for how much it costs you to, to use it. Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess we've just discovered a new investment opportunity if neither of these gigs work out for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was a very young guy and he said he owned four of them. Wow. I thought, Wow. Passive income. We're all looking for that. Well, um, I'd like to actively promote your book. So tell me where people can get a hold of it. Well, uh, they can either go to Amazon. I, there's it. I, you can go to Barnes and Noble too, but Amazon for sure. And you can go to my website, which is www.sayitwithhumor.com. Which you should do anyway. She's got some of her, uh, comic shows sets from her uh, comic shows and you will laugh your head off they're hilarious yeah okay so we can get the books there and if people want to get in touch with you same place at your website mm -hmm. very good okay they can, they can either go to karen at say it with humor.com uh, or they can go they could even go to my email which is can write with a k k-a-n-w-r-i-t-e at verizon.net very nice. You might hear from some of our listeners. As we close out our show today, is there anything you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Oh, my goodness. I guess I would probably follow with laughter is good for the soul. It sure it, is. It is. It can make you happier, healthier. It's been scientifically proven to help you heal faster to have better relationships. I mean, even if you step on somebody's toes and make them mad at you, if you can make them laugh mm -hmm. in your apology, mm -hmm. <laughs> that always helps. Uh, and and uh, the kicker is it doesn't even make any difference whether your laughter is real or fake. <laughs> you can just fake laugh all over the house and it will bring you to true laughter and mm. it's great for you. Mm. Uh, my husband and I, I think that's why we've made it 50 years, because we've definitely had plenty of highs and lows. But when we reach a crescendo, I should say, one or the other of us will say something funny, and that's the end of it. It's yeah. forgotten. Yep. Humor does heal. And it is a wonderful tool. I am so glad that you discovered that early in life. And I am so thankful for your conversation with me today that has helped us remember why it's so good to laugh and why it's so important to find things to laugh about. So thank you, Karen, for your time. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise, and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.